So some quick little update. Uh, past couple of weeks have not been the best couple of weeks for me. I've just been uh, suffering through burnout, just exhaustion, stuff like that too. And it, it was just not fun to be in that little mindset like last week too, especially going forward into you know the second the like not the second week of february but like the first week of february just being like like in that very crappy little mindset and especially as an actor uh, or performer what have you dealing with burnout is just not like the 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 key to do like dealing with burnout it's it's always going to be like that at the same time it's like at the same time yeah like literally at the same time there are performers who are able to essentially work with the burnout and then just like somehow still make things work but yeah but for for me i I just need like essentially like a week to essentially uh recalibrate and sure enough like i am sort of like recalibrated if that's a word but Burnout is still like one of those things that are, I mean, that is literally, that's literally hard to describe. So, you know, there's days where I feel like, oh, the burnout's gone away. And there's probably uh, days where the burnout has yet to really gone away. But as of right now, I'm feeling, I'm feeling up to it again. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, point one for uh, mental health. Um but yeah, Hayden, how was your uh, like uh, past couple of weeks? It was good. Like honestly, I've been kind of feeling like a similar kind of burnout um, with like you know my writing. So it's like, so I think we took a week off in the weekly readings as well for that. So I could, because honestly, if we didn't and the burnout happened, I'd be like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's like yeah, you do kind of have to just like. Because burnout's going to happen, so it's like when it does happen, because you, you can't predict it, so when it does happen, you kind of have to just, like, take a step back from whatever you're doing that's causing that burnout. Just take a take a couple days, just, you know, do something else. Watch a, watch a good movie, TV show, or just, just anything else you enjoy doing. And then that way you can just kind of, you know, come back into doing what you enjoy doing with a more, you know, fresher head, you know. Yeah, and I that's what I essentially did was like last week was not only catch up with uh, like movies I needed to watch or just like movies that that have been on my back burner to watch and stuff like that too. Like I you know I watched the Mitchells versus the Machines and then I and then a Canto and then what was it uh, a couple of days later I went actually to my first uh, off Broadway production in over two years. Hmm. So, nice. Yeah, uh, and that was excellent to do because I haven't been in a Broadway theater. I mean, yeah, I have been in Broadway theaters or off-Broadway theaters. You know, the last time I was in an off-Broadway theater was this uh, was this uh, Midtown theater that we both know of, the the Producers Club. But instead of going to see a friend's show or something like that, it was a uh, one-night showing of, like, short films and everything. And, of course... Anyone who's in who's been inside the producers club knows how tiny the seats are and stuff like that too. And and, and being and not so tiny, but just how like old those seats are too. Oh yeah. But the the 
they did like do some uh, renovations on some of those theaters oh. too, so it actually feels a lot more better than it was previously. But the bar that. itself actually looks a lot more uh, like a, a bar rather than just being like almost like most tavern, you know, like like <laughs> like I joke. It, but... like, it, it looks like something that was just kind of like thrown together because they had enough space for it almost. Yeah, but now now the uh, like there's actually a bar, like a bar space and also a little lounge space so yeah i mean it looks nice but being in a theater space you know again especially after over two years and actually seeing your show it lit that spark in me again and that's probably the reason why i'm not feeling as crappy as i was previously that's awesome but, but yeah with the but yeah speaking of encanto and Mitchell's versus Machines, the big story that came out today, they released the Oscar nominations. And, and of course, the day before, they released the uh, Razzie nominations. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, out of respect of the Oscars, we'll talk, we'll be, we were talking about the Oscar nominations uh, to, uh, and versus the Razzie nominations today. Which is, which is funny because, like, almost like a month and a half ago, yeah, a month and a half ago, we did our own, like, world best and worst thing of, like, 2021, but here's the actual official uh, thing. So, the best picture, now, of course, with the Oscars, I'm not going through every single freaking category. That'll take, like, a long time to do it. And Wait, I, we'll, I, we'll, we'll probably be here for, like, two hours if we try to do that and try yeah, to discuss all of it. Yeah, so we're just going to do, like, a bra- uh, uh the obviously important characters that are like there. Mm-hmm. All right. So starting with the best picture, and again they're still doing the uh, I believe the twelve best pictures. Hang on, one, two, three, four. No, I think it's ten. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, ten. Because for the past like say several years, the Oscars have been trying to shoe him more. Like best picture things because you know six or five or whatever it was previously it just wasn't like yeah you know, it just wasn't uh, it just wouldn't uh, be uh, like it just feels too short when it's like you have a full year of like so many movies that came out yeah right. so the best picture the yeah you know, the best picture things are I mean the best picture nominees are Belfast Coda Don't Look Up Drive My Car Dune King Richard, Licorice Peacher, Nightmare Alley, The Power, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Uh, out of all the ones that I saw, the one that kind of struck out to me was probably, ooh, hmm, which probably don't look up. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah, it does feel like an Oscar bait movie, especially mm-hmm. when you have like Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Meryl Streep bunch of others in there and then but when you look at some of the uh, like the reviews or like a lot of the people who wants the movie who both praised it and also wants it have point out it is very hard to watch because of it because it doesn't know if it wants to be a satire or an actual like uh uh like a warning like one of those type of warning pictures like i forgot what it's called but it's uh Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's almost a like a critique of literally what's going on yeah. right now in reality. Yeah, and I, and I feel like that's yeah. I think that's kind of 
the biggest like problem and i don't say the, like it's a problem in the sense that like you know it's a bad movie but it's just more like why i like because i actually didn't watch the movie because like everything i heard about it i'm like you know saying it wants to be a satire but i'm like so it's basically just essentially what we have already gone through but instead of covid it's a meteor yeah so it's like and, and it's just like it I think it wants to be satire, but it's like it feels almost like now it's just like what is even satire anymore? When when everything that was supposed was supposed to be satire has now become reality. Yeah, that's and, kind of the tricky thing where it's like, you know, yes, I, I get the message of the movie, but it's also just like reminding us of like literally all the frustrations that we have had to deal with for the past two freaking years and still having to deal with now yeah like a good counterpoint with that is that uh you know the broadway show not broadway show the off-broadway show i keep saying broadway show by uh and you got broadway on the brain yeah i know the off-broadway show that i saw uh ten bone and bones is a satire slash musical of two characters trapped in a minstrel show right and it's basically about these two characters who gain sentence and then suddenly, instead of it being them trapped in a mental show, it's like Lim, like literally taking over the narrative of the show. And then as the show comes along, it basically show, it's basically almost like it's a satire of what it is being a, a black, you know, a black person, not only a you know a black person in America, but also just being a you know a bipoc, you know, a personal color in America, but also dealing with themes like racism, brutality, especially with people in power, mm -hmm. uh, dealing with capitalism, stuff like that too, and other like other themes too. And not only is this done in a very satirical way, it kind of like throws the, satir the satire like almost out the window close to like the second act mm -hmm. where it come becomes a lot more grounded and a lot more, okay, you know, this is, you know, even though it's still haha funny, it's still saying like messages and stuff like that too. And yeah, I can understand why they gave it to Don't Look Up because out of all the like, out of all the movies that were, that came out on like Netflix or something like that. Yeah, the, the, the you know, and again, like I said before, DiCaprio's in it, Meryl Streep's in it, Jennifer Lawrence in it, Timothy Salmaine's in it, like. Yeah, it, it's cast is amazing. Yeah. Like, when your, like, cast is, like, the selling point to that movie, that's obviously why, you know, mm -hmm. there's other things like that, too, are, are essentially nominated for an Oscar. Mm -hmm. Like, King, like, King Richard, you know, like, the night, like. And, and also, and also just, also just to quickly say, like, just to kind of finish off the, the, the don't look up discussion a little bit. Yeah. The like type because like that show you were describing that like that off Broadway show that actually yeah. sounds brilliant. It is brilliant because it's like yeah that's the perfect way to actually not only do the satire but then get rid of it because if the characters in it have essentially gained sentience and realize they are characters in a show, yeah, then yeah of course it's gonna make sense they're gonna throw out the satire and then it's gonna start like but just but yeah it just sounds like a brilliant way to actually like like introduce a message and get points across through 
a uniquely interesting story. Yeah. Instead of just like reminding us all of literally the exact same frustrations we have just come from in pretty much the exact same way, only really changing what's actually affecting us all. Whereas like instead of a pandemic, it's just a meteor. Yeah. Which like yeah. It's like again, what is what is ultimately gonna be the point of that movie too though? Because if it's satire it's supposed to like maybe change someone's mind, I'm sorry, but like whoever whoever like whatever someone's mind already currently is, that movie isn't gonna change anything. If anything, it might make them double down more. And the weird thing is is that, you know, they obviously done uh apocalyptic world ending movies before, you know, it's like you know, it, it's obviously something that has not been, you know, done to death, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, there's movies like Deep Impact. Mm-hmm. Armageddon. Or, con- or Contagion. Contagion. Uh, the Day After Tomorrow. Uh, I Am Legend. Mm-hmm. You know, with Will Smith. But, and, and, and of course, you know, something that just came out just, just like just this past weekend, Moonfall. It's about, like, literally the moon, like, falling, even though it's not, like, the moon falling. It's sort of, like, the idea of, you know, the moon being essentially uh, not really the moon and, like, it's sort of like some sort of, like, alien space station or something like that. It, it, it's it's a weird plot synopsis right now, but, but you know, the same thing happens. Like, uh, it, it, it's the, the, the tired old idea of, and I think what also probably doesn't work about this movie, too, is, like, oh... And it's something that you just talked about before is like the science, like it's sort of like almost like a uh, what's the term? A uh, a uh, sorry, folks, for I'm having a brain for it. Uh, <laughs> a statement on essentially where the scientists are not the like scientists are essentially not treated as being scientists and they aren't like the ones who aren't you know saying oh yeah by the way you know we're you know this crisis is is happening we have to start planning like planning our doom or whatnot and there are people who was like yeah you know we'll not think about our doom we'll just go our own daily lives and somehow those daily lives you know that's like if it goes on like that then yeah that that could actually work but a lot of it I see is like typical like anime type of like satire humor I see in stuff like in his past like more recent movies where it's like even my friends who love his you know, previous films like Step Brothers, Anchorman, Anchorman Two, mm-hmm. you know Talladega Nights, amazing comedies. But when he tries to do something that's more serious but still has comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really mesh together. Yeah. So seeing yeah, don't yeah like serious, like the more serious storytelling has never really been his forte because, like you said, like just listing off all those movies, they're very much comedies because that is just very much what he knows to write. And and the previous like big movie that he did that was like more serious was Vice, and Vice was a thing about a uh, friggin' uh, Dick Cheney, mm-hmm. and you know, it, but people are like. I think it also has to do with uh, maybe actors as well, because sometimes it does work 
when certain actors are in certain roles, but then it's just like, it's odd. It, it, like, again, Adam McKay is a very odd person to, to talk about because mm -hmm. he's just trying to, like, trying to show that he can actually do more than just being a comedy director. But even when he does, like, something like a satire or or a black comedy, it still doesn't feel like it's still connecting with that little hook or what have you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like he just doesn't know where his flaws are in storytelling. Now, other nominees I saw Best Picture, I, I like Dune. I was kind of surprised to see that because, you know, it's Dune, with the way they were doing it, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, villain, uh, Dennis Villain, villain View, I hope I'm pronouncing my name correctly, probably get like a Best Director, but... And I was actually looking at a, an article that says, no, he didn't get Best Director. And we'll get into that in the next one. Hmm. But uh, King Richard, I was surprised to see that because I really thought, you know, oh, yeah, Will Smith, obviously, he'll probably get, like, Best Actor. But hmm. to see it underneath, like, Best Picture, that, that was actually kind of surprising because I didn't really see it as a Best Picture. I just saw it as, like, an, a, a vehicle for Will Smith to be get, like, a uh, Best Actor nomination or something like yeah. that. Also, it's like, I remember seeing a commercial for that movie, like, so many years ago, and then I see it pop up again, like, probably a year later. I'm like, and I'm just thinking, didn't this movie come out already? And then it's like, no, I guess it probably got delayed because of COVID. Yeah. And, that, and, 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 and yeah, King Richard is an odd one. I, like, I'm just seeing that, and I'm like, really, though? Yeah, uh, like, Liquid Peacher, that's easy. You know, PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson. The man is brilliant, brilliant when in the work he does. Seeing with Nightmare Alley and Game Del uh, uh, Del Toro, West Side Story, you know Spielberg. Uh, yeah, I, I was surprised to see Coda on the list because I didn't really hear about Coda until just like maybe just recently, like maybe up until two weeks ago. And so it, it probably just shows you how how late to the game I am with some of these movies are. You know, mm -hmm. these brilliant movies that came out last year, I'm only figuring out that these brilliant movies came out last year and then find out they're coming out. Like, oh, you know. But yeah, the, like, yeah, like some of these, but again, some of these nominations for Best Picture, I expected it, but mm -hmm. again, it, it, you know. Yeah, some, some are expected, some are given, some are okay then didn't see that coming yeah like i know spider-man far from home i mean far from home damn it. no way home you know it obviously couldn't be best picture but mm. you could easily have traded something like don't look up to like spider-man no way home for best picture mm. but On honestly i feel like it really should be up there because it actually does tell like a compelling story of this kid who never really had to take responsibility in his life essentially actually now having to really understand what responsibility means and having to live with the repercussions of his well his you know past and ability to actually take responsibility and then now actually having to do that and having to learn yeah. what it means you know and there you know i was surprised yeah it's like i'm looking at movies that came out last year and I think it's also, too, just because it's, like, there's still this, like, weird thing where it's, like, if it's a superhero movie, then yeah. it'll never be up there. And I don't get why, because a lot of them, yeah, they can be kind of gimmicky. 
So, you know, there are a lot of them where I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even expect this one to get an Oscar nomination in any way, anyway, because, you know, it is what it is. But then there's some of them I'm like, no, this should get some nominations, though. Yeah, I think it just goes into the, to, to the point of the Academy, where it's just like these Best Picture nominations, they just look so expected and bland, especially going for the past few years, where it's just mm-hmm. people have been wanting more and more, like, variety and more inclusion and then a lot and the only thing that i i've seen that that are inclusive is probably coda drive my car and yeah probably coda and and maybe belt fast because you know from what i'm hearing it's supposed it's supposed to be a very good movie but Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of these movies are just like made by the same type of people who you would expect to be like an Oscar nomination and stuff like that too. It's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a great joke in Austin Powers three where Steven Spielberg is directing like the movie within the movie of Austin Powers and whatever, like gold finger or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. I know, I know it was a joke on the, you know, I, I forgot what it was called, but an Austin ghost like it's, arguing with Steven and Steven like all like without without you know missing a beat just pulls out an Oscar and goes do you want this and I'm like okay fine and sometimes when you have like those type of like directors or people behind those productions yeah you know obviously Steven Spielberg I mean Steven Spielberg no matter what type of movie he's doing oh like oh he's got to be doing a comedy this year chances are They'll probably be mm-hmm. nominated uh, by next year as a best picture or, yeah. or best director. And not only that, too, but it's like then you have to just look at, like, you know, the people who do a lot of the voting for these, you know, these nominations, essentially, for what gets for what wins. It's always these, you know, older, essentially white men who are very so much entrenched in their old school way of how movies and stories should be told. So it's like you can always then basically expect like, okay, yeah, it's going to be essentially the same kind of thing or kind of actor in a sense. That's always going to end up winning yeah. because they're not going to actually go out and watch anything that's more, you know, challenging, engaging, different. They're always going to go with the what they know, what is, you know, quote unquote safe. Yeah. So spoilers, I don't think Don't Look Up is going to win. Well, yeah. Sorry, but I just don't see that happening because with the way these go. And if it does win, it'd be, it'd be like one of those pissed off things. So yeah, if anything, uh, I'd probably see Liquorice Peacher or probably The Power of the Dog winning mm-hmm. Best Picture. And both and both films with Liquorice Peacher again, Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, backing that up, uh, you know, backing that production up, and both as a producer and as a director. But with powerful power of the dog, I'm hearing you know a lot of great things about it. And Netflix has been like a, a a juggernaut when it comes to this. And also, you know, you have Benedict Cumberbatch as the main character, like the main lead in that movie. So obviously, you know, when it comes to like, I, I think what it happens with a lot of these movies, especially with Best Picture, is uh, appeal, but also just like, yeah, just general appeal, and also just like, just general marketing like which mm-hmm. film do you think would probably win best picture by just either production value or just the way it looks mm-hmm. all right 
No. It's like it's like a great example. It's like, you know, for like say the game awards. Last of Us Two won pretty much everything. Which it shouldn't have. Because sorry, it wasn't that inventive with its mechanics, only added a few things. Its story, sorry, it's a clunky mess. But in those official game awards, it somehow ended up winning a lot of stuff. But then when you actually go to like the people's choice when they had essentially, a, you know, their poll of like, you know, what do you, the people, think should win Game of the Year? It was Ghost of Tsushima. So it's yeah. like it's that it's that it's that same old thing of like when you actually let the you know when it's actually the people who are saying, hey, we like this movie or we like this video game, it's going to be what is actually more in line with what the general people actually like. And yeah. then when you just call these award shows, it's just going to be the same tired old stuff that wins. Yeah. And or the same lot, predictable stuff that wins. Yeah. And, you know, going into the you know, best director and, and again, going into best director, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, Kenneth Branagh, Jane Champion, Ryu Sheik. I'm, hopefully I'm pronouncing this word correctly. I'm sorry if I am not. Ryu Shuk Hamag. Gucci, I believe, and Steven Spielberg are all like nominations, mm-hmm. and I just re- literally when he one of the um, nominations that was snubbed was probably uh, Dennis Vumu. Again, am I pronouncing correctly? I hope so. But mm-hmm. yeah, like where's the guy? You know, where's Dennis Vumu uh, who directed Dune? You know, where's, you know, Ridley Scott, who essentially directed two movies, you know, even even if you didn't agree with those two movies, you know, it's Ridley, you know, it's Ridley Scott. He is one of the best directors of all time. And, of course, watching his, like, drunken you know antics because of what happened with The Last Duel and House of Gucci, you know, at least, you know, give that guy some break. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the same thing where it's just like it's the same people. Who I probably would have seen regardless, especially since three of those people are famous, you know, famous directors and whatnot. And two of those people I have not heard until just today when they uh, announced the the nominees. And it goes to what you were just saying before. A lot of it is just the same stale. What just works? Uh, uh, what just works? Uh, uh, mentality for the mm-hmm. academy. Exactly. It's like, you know, okay, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, that was expected. And then it's like they throw in one or two, usually with all these categories, that it's like, oh, we didn't expect that, to kind of give you that hope of, hey, maybe they're listening. And then the award show actually comes around, it's like, nah, they weren't at all. They weren't paying attention, really. No, not at all. Uh, so, yeah, going into uh, with Best Actress, uh, you have Jennifer, uh, Jessica J- Chastain, Olivia Coleman. Uh, Penelope Cruz, Nicole Kimmon, and Christian Stewart. Now, what really struck me was probably Nicole Kimmon for being Ricardo's. Mm-hmm. That's what we call the safe choice because yeah. that, that's like, like not, from what I've seen of being Ricardo's, the same thing with, you know, with Don't Look Up is that it doesn't look visibly appealing. And mm-hmm. a lot of my friends who actually have watched being Ricardo's have agreed that Nicole Kimmon was not the best choice to play Lucille Ball. And mm-hmm. you could literally have any other actors play Lucille Ball and probably be a bad thing. 
And now she's also nominated for an Oscar for the movie. And again, like that's why I just said, you have the safe choice. Mm-hmm. Aside from Penelope Cruz, four of these actresses are essentially white actresses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did not see like any other, like Lily, no, like if you look at the, that and, and to, uh, yeah, if you go into the next category, Best Actor, you have Har- uh, Javier Bardem, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Garfield, not for Spider-Man, but for Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith, and Denzel Washington. Obviously, Best Actor is more uh, geared around, like, maybe person of color, you know, compared to, say, Best Actress. Now, with Best Actress... You could literally just replace Nicole Kidman with, uh, say, Rachel Zeiger from West Side Story, who I thought mm-hmm. would be a, you know, best actress, uh, you know, best actress uh, nominee. But yeah. no. But then also this goes to show that, hey, maybe these people didn't actually watch some of those movies. Like, hey, we're going to give Skill Suarick a, nomina- a bunch of nominations. We're not actually going to watch his movies, so we're not going to see anyone in them. But we'll give him the nomination. You know. So yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's it's weird. And yeah, but going going into supporting actor, I mean supporting actor, supporting actress, uh, which actually both supporting actress and supporting actor both are actually tied together because both of the nominees in both car- uh, two nominees in both categories are like the first couple in like Oscars history, I believe, to actually be nominated essentially in, almost in the same category, which is huh. the supporting category. So Christian mm-hmm. Dunst and Jesse Plemons are both in the same movie, The Power of the Dog. Mm-hmm. And they are yeah, they're engaged to be, you know, they're engaged to be married. So mm-hmm. they're like the first couple in Oscars history to actually be nominated for essentially the same category of supporting mm-hmm. that that's gonna be really awkward if one of them wins and the other doesn't oh yeah obviously <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah uh looking at this is like you have you know uh like ariana debose for west side story J- judy dench kristen dunce uh i believe uh one uh Someone from King Richard, I believe, the the actress who played. Oh, okay. The actress who played uh, the parent to uh, the um, the who's it called? The the Tennis sisters, uh, the Williams sisters, uh, mm-hmm. the mother to the Williams sisters. There we go. I think. Mm-hmm. I, think I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was okay. Just making sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as much as I love Judy Dench, you know, you could easily have uh, given friggin' uh, like someone else. And I think this is probably what what's weird about these nominations is that, aside from you know, with how bloated the Best Picture nomination things is with ten nominations, mm-hmm. every other category. Aside from maybe a couple other categories, are essentially just like five, 
like every single category aside from best picture or literally like five five nominees and of course what's not and is and of course you know that will require the the academy to essentially you know adding more you know adding more nominations into these categories and what really should be inclusive is like adding more you know adding more care adding more care you know, adding more nominees to these things so it doesn't feel like oh only five people only five people only five people you know uh like best actor again you know tom holland should have been nominated for friggin no way home supporting actor mm-hmm. will and the foe i mean there, and mm-hmm. there was a big push to have will and the foe be nominated for no way home because the same thing with uh alpha molina Mm-hmm. And of course, they're not there because there is again there was this whole stigma of of uh, superhero movies or just like fantasy movies in general or you know sci you know yeah fantasy sci fi movies in general mm-hmm. you know and of course you know it's it's obviously something that's just not going to be like that because of just how these things work. Like, 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 literally, how these things work, mm-hmm. and it's something that we just said, and it's something you pointed out before. It's not. It's like these people just don't watch these movies and just go, okay, you know, the, the you know, the like these are the people that are being pushed for, you know, best actor or best, you know, best actress or what have you. Mm-hmm. But uh, with the best actress, I'm just. Glad to see Kristen Stewart to be nominated as a best actress. And if she does win, I hope she does win because, you know, Princess Diana is an amazing role to win for best actress, especially for a big movie like that. And I do hope Andrew Garfield wins for Tick Tick Boom. Hmm. But obviously, uh, everything else, I'm just like, especially with these big categories, it's just like, there's no stakes in, in, in terms of uh in, in of the Oscars anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just like so predictable. It's like it, it's why I've just stopped caring for a lot of these like award shows for so long because it's like it's just gonna be the same stuff that generally wins. Yeah, and it's all just gonna be like yeah, like it's not actually gonna be representative of like what the actual people wanted to watch and enjoyed watching like looking into a best original score there's don't look up again there's dune which will probably win uh, or, well in more seriousness probably Encanto will probably win for best score mm-hmm. uh I, called, I, feel, I feel like it should like dune should definitely win the visual effects one yeah because i think out of all the options that that are there for that one it absolutely had the best by far yeah i'm looking at adaptive screenplay uh, Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, Lost Starter, Best, you know, Power of the Dog, Original Screenplay, Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Preacher, Worst Person in the World, you know, Editing, again, Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, Power of the Dog, Tick, Tick, Moon. With editing, you know, I honestly don't understand sometimes what best editing, but again, I've done, like, editing like really, well, of course I don't understand editing. <laughs> I had this, I had this stuff, so of course I don't understand editing. But, 
But when, you know, when I read best editing, I just imagine people looking at these movies and going, okay, you know, all this stuff and all that stuff, you know, it's like, what feels like the great movie, like what feels like a great narrative flow of sorts, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's like how much editing, you know, knowledge do they actually possess themselves? Yeah. Especially going into... Uh, when they, like, decide, oh, which one am I going to vote for for best film editing? Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I'm looking at these and I'm like, you kind of have to go with Dune, though. Because you're taking editing as a whole. It's not just, you know, oh, they cut this scene here at just the right time. No, editing is VFX. It's, and it's, like, all the amount of work that goes into that. Yeah. Because a lot of these are just look like, you know... They just like, you know, the standard kind of movies. And then there's Dune, which is super VFX heavy. Yeah. Like, that movie is literally made, essentially, to be all about its VFX, essentially. Like, yeah, I know there's a story there, but it's like... Yeah. You're really going there just to watch all that amazing VFX and cinematography. And... Like, going yeah, because it does look amazing. And going into v- uh, VFX, this is probably the last category... I- Again, if we talk about every single category and every single nominee, we'll probably be here over two hours, and no one wants mm-hmm. to hear like a two-hour podcast of of us bitching and moaning about uh, about Oscar nominations and stuff like that too. It's the same, and again, it's the same song and dance that we go through every single year of Oscar nominations. The last time I was actually, I actually gave a shit about the Oscars was probably a few years ago when Gary Oldman was nominated for uh, uh, his role as Winston Churchill, and then afterwards I was like, I don't care about any other Oscars anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and did he win that one? I don't remember if he yeah, won he did. Oh, good. Okay. I was so happy when I saw it, too, because it was like, it definitely felt like one of those type of uh, nominations where it does felt like, you know, he'll be like the Dark Horse one, where it's just like, you know, but then it's like, and there'll probably be something else to um, to win. Okay, so, and this is the big category that kind of like has garnered a little controversy about about uh, the nominations, and th- and this is something that should be essentially be booked into have more nominations into the Oscars. If they have like seven, if they have like maybe seven or eight nominations for each category compared to like the ten category for like Best Picture, at least that's essentially uh, meaning halfway. Mm-hmm. Now for Best uh, Visual Effects, you have Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang Chi, and The Legend of Ten Rings, and Spider Man No Way Home. And this is probably what I feel is the biggest controversy is that, you know, not only is there two Marvel movies, you know, I don't remember there was being that much special effects, visual effects, what have you, and No Time to Die. And I literally just watched it like maybe two weeks ago. It felt like the most... Like, like, prob- like probably that, you know, that missile blowing up that island scene. Oh, yeah. And that, probably- that's a big, that, that'd be probably like the biggest one that kind of sticks out. But yeah, like, yeah, it's like, unless there's more visual effects going into it than we realize, because that probably is the case. Yeah, and, or probably maybe stunt, like, stunts or something like that. Because, mm. you know, nowadays stunts are more, like, mindful to essentially uh, green screen and stuff like that, too. But oh, yeah. Dune, as you said, Dune will probably win, mm. Dune, obviously, because that yeah. looks it, both... It, 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 yeah, that, that looks like a visually, a, a visually, like expressive movie mm, that yeah like this is what it was made for it was made for like to be a visual spectacle like this so yeah th- i can definitely see that one winning hands down now 
I could easily have substituted No Time to Die with, say, Godzilla versus King Kong. Mm. That, you know... Oh, visually, a, yeah, it is It is great visually. Its story yeah. is... Like, you didn't even... You don't even need a story. You could literally just, like, chop out the story and just have it be just visual spectacle. Okay, you and me have to have words about the MonsterVerse. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, we will. When we have to talk about the MonsterVerse uh, TV uh, uh, TV series that's supposedly coming on uh, Apple TV uh, in some time in the future, but about that, that's another day, another time. Like Free Guy, I understand Free Guy mm-hmm. looks amazing as a visual spectacle, mm-hmm. but oh, you know, some, when it comes down to it, they should have just boiled down to one Marvel movie, and maybe have. Added probably Justice League, the Snyder Cut, individual effects because there is a lot of great special effects in that movie. Even mm-hmm. if you aren't like a big, you know, Snyder Cut fan and whatnot, you can't not agree that there is great visual effects in that movie. Oh yeah, like literally, if you want to, like, just go watch the Corridor Crew having their VFX artist react segment to just the you know uh, Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, and. Like they, they, they are just like having the time of their lives with it because, yeah, it visually with with the visual effects, it is fantastic. Like there's only one scene, like it's so small, but they're like going f- like crazy over trying to figure out how it could have been done. Yeah, and to see, and and to see I, these guys like you know geeking out so much like that, it just shows like visually it was so well done. And again, yeah, it's a superhero movie. And of course, you know, it's like, oh, well, I mean, it, we, it wasn't, you know, it, it was a four hour thing, you know, it's like, yeah, sure, it's four hours. But like, again, it's like what you were saying, there was so much great visual effects work that went into that. Yeah. And especially when you compare that to the, you know, Joss Whedon's Justice League, which like took VFX and then decided to like just throw tomatoes on it. Hey, are you saying that uh, them cutting out uh, Henry Cavill's uh, great mustache was a a, 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 a visual misstep? <laughs> yeah, that that they should have kept that mustache. He looks great in a mustache. He does. But like so- watching Mission Impossible uh, Fallout with Henry Cavill, I'm like, that is a good mustache on that man. Yes, it is. <laughs> but, so they should have uh, kept the mustache. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, like, <laughs> I'm literally thinking of a uh, stupid sexy Flanders uh, gag from The Simpsons <laughs> with Henry Cavill and his mustache. <laughs> sexy. sexy Cavill. <laughs> but, yeah. It's I... like, like, so, yeah, let, let's just, like, make a, a an Oscar not category just for Henry Cavill's mustache now. That's yeah. basically what you can summarize from this whole, like, discussion from visual effects. Yeah, but honestly, uh, back to the thing, you, you can obviously have taken away either Shung, well, obviously, Spider-Man No Way Home will probably be the more suitable mm-hmm. category for best visual effects because they did a lot of love in that. And then, oh, yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, like take out I No heard... Time to Die and then just like, yeah, throw in something that spent so much more time with the visual effects, for sure. You know, but yeah, it definitely feels like with the visual effects department, like literally the visual effects department of, of the Academy, it is just like literally just do a dart and like, okay, that has visual effects, that has visual effects. 
That has mm. visible effects. That has visible effects. There we go. It's like one of the few times we'll see a Marvel movie get nominated for something. Yeah. Unless it becomes like, unless they decide to really, really um, dare, uh, double down on that stuff. Mm. All right. From the best, obviously, we go into the worst. And I, <laughs> I say worst in, in a loving manner because worst being, well, they were bad performances and bad movies last year. So why not, you know, respect the hell out of it? Mm-hmm. The Razzies have put out their nominations, and ob- and obviously enough, they're doing the nominations and awards show the night before the Oscars. So the Oscars is on March 27th. The Razzies is on March 26th. So Hayden, you had a great thought or comment when I showed you the article about the Razzies, mm-hmm. and the big takeaway of the Razzies is that. They added a new category for this year. And I do want to talk about that first category. It's a special category this year. Worst performance by Bruce Willis in a 2021 movie. And they gave it to him. And and they have like eight movies. (laughs) Out of probably maybe the 20 he made over last year. I have no idea. Because he Mm -hmm. made a lot of like direct-to-video movies last year. Oh yeah, like people always like people like always make fun of his like like almost stalemate like type of things to talk about like cookie cutter like literally cookie cutter direct to video movies that he makes like literally he made essentially like almost like five movies where it was basically the same plot. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure there was even more movies of that. Mm-hmm. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, okay. He did make eight movies last year. Okay. <laughs> I was just making sure. <laughs> All right. So we have Bruce Willis in American Siege, Bruce Willis in Apex, Bruce Willis in Cosmic Sin, Bruce Willis in Deadlock, Bruce Willis in Fortress, Bruce Willis in Midnight in the Switchgrass, Bruce Willis in Out for Death, I mean, Out of Death, and Bruce Willis in Survive the Game. <laughs> At least the bulk of his performances have literally been over five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like Cosmic Sin is the only one out of I know where he actually has a main role. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I think I think like everything I've heard and seen for especially some of these, I'm like, I'm just like, first off, wow, <laughs> Bruce Willis, what's going on, like? Are, are you like it's like yeah like he's literally doing the reverse of Nicolas Cage yeah where instead of being selected he's just like going for every single thing he can just to get the paycheck it's, like, <laughs> it, 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 are we gonna find out later later on at some point that he was probably involved in some pyramid scam and it's only and that's why he's been doing all these movies to get the quick cash like honestly well, if, <laughs> well, if I'm right or no no not pyramid cryptocurrency thing <laughs> Well, if I'm right about this, uh, half of those movies, either the half of those movies or partly of those movies were made by the same people he knows. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's made by the same production companies, made by the same producers. He's friends with the same producers. Mm -hmm. He could literally just be in the same set and then walk over to probably another set and do this and do their movie like that's filming on the same thing. Like he doesn't even change out of the costume he was wearing. He's like, no, no, let's just go. I'm here. Let's go. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's sad to know it's like Bruce Willis, like up until like maybe ten years ago, had a good career just being, you know, in as a supporting actor or as a you know as a like a supporting hero a character, maybe a mentor or something like that. And now he's just like literally at the bargain bin of a Walmart or Target mm-hmm. or Best Buy or whatnot, whatnot. So yeah, yeah. it's like like what this says to me is that it's like instead of his career dying hard, it's dying with a whimper. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I had to make that joke. No. Anyway, well, let, let's do the action. And, and, and I will say which one I think should get it. Because like you were saying, a lot of these are just like he's just maybe in for five minutes. And the cosmic sin is the one where he's actually in for a larger role, essentially. Yeah. So I feel like that should that should easily be the one that gets him the worst for his own category. Although, although worst performance actually probably just means the one where he doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> where you know he's just watching something. And that's well, I mean, what's, what's the thing? It's like, if he's only in for a couple minutes... Then you can just forget about it and move on. Yeah. No, if he's in it for longer, that's going to stick in your brain for longer because he's in it longer. He's spending more time in it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I feel like, so because of that, I feel like it should go to Cosmic Sin. That's probably more true because he's actually given more of a, uh, uh, what's we call it? Like he spends more time in it. So he's given, so he has to give more performance in it. He has to emote more. So (laughs) there's this thing called emotion. So, yeah. Uh, so, Back to the actual categories of hand. We just needed to get the special category out of the way first, because that's actually first. Because Well, not first, but when the Razzies have their own special category all by itself, and it's just related to one actor, you have to start with that first. Oh, yeah. All right. So their best pictures are five, you know, obviously, and stuff like that, too. Now, their best pictures start with Diana and the Musical. Mm-hmm. Which is again Broadway. It's a it's a tape version of a Broadway show that was filmed just after the after the lockdown, but mm. right before performances started. So it was like the like a bubble between that sort of time period mm-hmm. for uh, Broadway shows. Because I know they had other stuff about that too. Like other like other Broadway shows had their stuff filmed too around at the same time. Mm-hmm. All right. We have Infinite, Karen, Space Jam, A New Legacy, and The Woman in the Window for best, uh, worth, I almost said best picture, <laughs> worst picture. Out of all the movies I've heard for worst picture, probably The Woman in the wor- Window would probably be like the worst picture. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a Netflix movie that came out, but it, it it's like, it, from what I hear, it's sort of like a parody of a one of those like rear window, and this actually do bring a, and they actually say it's like a weird uh, rear window uh, ripoff. Hmm. It's like a parody of one of those rear window type of movies where the main character sees a murder or something like that, and but it's ironically played straight mm-hmm. for some reason. Why I don't know. It's like ugh. so yeah, that, yeah. It's it's like. It's like you can do that rear window stuff. Like I remember they did that with um, what's that movie with Emily Blunt? Um, the girl, girl on the train. You know, the girl on the, the the girl on the train. Yeah, I think it's called either something like girl, that. I think it's called the girl on the train or the girl on the train from the window or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, something something with yeah involving her on a train, and 
Yeah, it's called and that, and that wor- and that works perfectly because of like the interesting story they built around it. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, it really said it really says a lot when Netflix actually releases two of those type of things back to like back to back in the same year, where it's like you have the women in the window, and then you have essentially a parody series starring Christian Bell called The Woman from across the street from the woman from the house or something like that. And yeah, it's like this long ass title. And when I first heard about it, I'm like, is this a parody movie? I'm like, oh, this is a show, okay. But is this a parody? Because I don't read it as a parody, and then I find out <laughs> right as they debut the, the, the thing, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a parody. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like when they decide to do two of those things, like almost back to back, I'm just like, that is hilarious. And, and, I, and I, I love that too, because it shows that it's like, okay, we'll make fun of ourselves. We get it. We screwed up. We, we messed up with it. So let's have some fun with it. All right. Go, uh, but yeah. So I think, yeah. I think I have to go with Space Jam A New Legacy. Yeah. Because the whole thing around it was just essentially trying to cash in on the nostalgia, throwing out all of, you know, the um, the IPs that HBO, Mac, HBO has and not actually doing anything substantial with them. And I'm sorry, LeBron James. Like, LeBron James just is not that good an actor. Yeah, I know. Like, I, that's, I, kind, that's, I, that's kind of the downside. It's like, at least he tried. Especially when you, especially when you had, um, uh, I'm blanking on the on the guy from the first movie, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Yeah, he wasn't the best too, but he was at least giving something. Like you could tell, he was actually reacting off more of like what's going on around him. So it was at least a little more engaging. And then, yeah, it, it just felt at like too Michael much Jordan. like cash grab and, uh, by trying to like use nostalgia. I, I will say this, Woodley, at least for Michael Jordan, they built Space Jam around a commercial starring him and Bugs Bunny. At least that's how he mm-hmm. knew Bugs Bunny and all that stuff. But yeah, <sighs> but yeah, yeah, I felt like he was like yeah, I felt like he was ha- actually having more fun with it. And LeBron James, I think, just didn't understand like what he was. I don't know. It just didn't seem like he knew what he was doing a lot of the time. All right. Speaking of but, yeah, uh, Space Jam, uh, New Legacy. That's my pick. Speaking of LeBron James, who probably will win this category, worst actor, we have Scott Eastward in something called Dangerous, uh, Roe Hart Umfer as Prince Charles and Diana in the musical, LeBron James, Ben Platt, and Mark Wahlberg in Internet. Yeah, we're, we're probably on the same page. They'd probably be either LeBron James or Ben Platt as uh, yeah, just the way he just ugly cries in that movie. Well, also uh, the fact that it's like they had to also then like essentially DH him or oh yeah or have someone else it was either DHing or putting someone else's face over his face through like you know visual effects to like they can actually look you know like a high school teenager yes <laughs> I yeah. so yeah I think it's gonna be tied between those two it as could go to either one of them as opposed to using the person who's already on Broadway uh, right now doing the role I think. But no, they decided to use Ben Platt because his daddy produced the movie. Well, I'm always wondering too. It's like, like you know, because of um, like whatever the contract might have been for the musical, maybe they couldn't have gotten that actor because of that. Because that means he would have had to have stepped away from it. Yeah. From the musical to then go and do the movie. So it could have been something involving that too. But I'm pretty sure he are. This was like done like a few years away since he was, you know. Uh, when the movie 
the movie came out. So I was like, uh, this was probably a few years after he was done with the role on Broadway. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's like that. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's probably it's either gonna probably be LeBron James, which is probably the 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 key, like probably a person who's probably gonna win versus Ben Platt. Uh, ben yeah. Platt. So worst actress, we have Amy Adams in The Woman in the House. We have Janine D. Wall for Diana Musical. Megan Fox in Midnight in the Switch Glass. Tara Manning and as Karen and Karen. And Ruby Rose and Vanish, or, sorry, Vanquish. And if I remember correctly, Vanquish is the one with that she plays with, uh, yeah, Morgan Freeman. Hmm. It's some. It's basically some movie where she plays a ex-con or what have you, and she's now as an. Oh, oh, right. It's like it's the one where it's like Morgan Freeman is holding. I think it's like her daughter hostage, yeah. and then she has to go and do all this stuff to like, um, for Morgan Freeman to then get her daughter back. Yeah, it's like a like a like a like. You like you've seen that movie plotline before, but you know it's it's. But from what it, I've seen, I mean, yeah. from, like from what I've seen in clips, he actually does a reasonable job because I will say that Ruby Rose is a you know capable actress. It's just that you know she just has a horrible past with what happened with Batwoman and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, like at, and, at times it's it, yeah. she she's very much hit or miss for yeah. sure. Like, if you watch something like, uh, say, The Meg, where she plays, like, basically uh, her, like, she doesn't have to put on, like, a like a forced American accent, like, which I really hate when they have, like, char- like actors and actresses who obviously speak in a different language, in a different language other than, you know, say, uh, English, and they have, like, you know, they speak British, or they speak Scottish, or they speak uh, German. They have this very forced American accent going on. But when you have someone who plays someone with a very naturalistic accent, like if it's their Australian or Scots or Greek or whatnot, and they're not playing a character like they're supposed to be American, obviously. But yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, she seems a very capable actress for that role. I mean, it's like one of those very by-the-book type of uh, action movies, especially mm-hmm. when you have to factor in she's playing a mother and stuff like that, too. Yeah, like yeah, like action stuff. She's good at. I mean, just you know, watch her in uh, John Wick too. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think she was doing a lot of her own stunts. If I remember right, for that one. And on and in Batwoman, you know, as much as Batwoman has, again, Batwoman's a different, uh, <coughs> different uh, argument or I mean, different discussion. When she does, yeah, that's a whole stuff, different animal altogether. That's a whole different animal. Well, <laughs> like literally a whole different animal. <laughs> <laughs> but. When you watch Batwoman, at least she does very good with the action stuff on that show. Mm-hmm. Even if you do notice, it's like, oh, it's like, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, stunt doubles and whatnot. But yeah, mm-hmm. out of all the categories, again, probably Amy Adams. Yeah. Because, again, from my here, she's like the like great actress as she is. Oh, my God, Israel. I, I just noticed it, too. I, and going into best uh, worst supporting actress, Amy Adams and Dear Evan Hansen. I legitimately forgot. <laughs> she would, that'd be hilarious. If not just her, also, but not just her, but also then Taryn Manning from. So it's like now Taryn Manning's in this one again for every last one of them. I haven't even heard of this movie. Same. I just saw the name. <laughs> it'd be it'd be hilarious if one of them ends up winning. Like the worst categories 
for both worst actress and worst supporting actress. Yeah, you know it's going to be, it'll probably go right down the middle with that one. Because with Tara mm-hmm. Manning as Karen, I understand, like, giving that as a as a worst actress. But with Karen, it's literally played like a parody of the whole mm-hmm. Karen thing. You have yeah. to watch the movie to understand it is a parody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I honestly see them, like, the Razzies giving both Amy Adams both worst and worst supporting actress. Just mm-hmm. on the, but we should talk about the other nominees on the worst supporting. Of course, actor. yeah. Uh, we have Sophie Cookson for Infinite. Uh, we have essentially two actresses from Diana the Musical. We have Erin Davy and Judy Kay, who is apparently uh, so is apparently uh, is essentially being booked twice as worst supporting actress as both Queen Elizabeth and Barbara Cartland. And of course, uh, Tara Manning in every last one of them. <sighs> As I said, it'll probably be, if they really do want to, it'll probably be Amy Adams for both categories. Yeah. Or maybe Amy Adams and then Tara Manning and or Tara Manning and Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it'll be um, Tara Manning for the supporting and then Amy Adams for the for the main. Yeah. That's my prediction. All right, worst actor. Uh, poor Ben. And this is something... A oh, worst supporting actor. Yeah, worst supporting actor. Ben Affleck, The Last Duel. Uh, HBO Max actually put out a tweet about that and go and just has his face and goes, to each their own. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. is like Ben Affleck looking sad and it's like, to each their own. You know. yeah. At least HBO Max ha- has, is having fun with the Razzie nomination. Oh, absolutely. All right. Uh... Nick Ken in The Misfits, uh, Mel Gibson in Dangerous, and Jared Leto in House of Gucci. Gucci. Oh, no, and, and, did you say um, Gareth Keegan for Diana the Musical? Oh, no. Gareth Keegan, uh, Keegan in Diana the Musical as James Hedf- with the muscle-bound hunk horse trainer. That's a mouthful. I'm not even sure if that's the actual t- title for the character. Unless they decide... <laughs> Unless they decided to do it for the character, because that's what he basically is in the kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or supporting actor, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, like, man, th- th- these are all good picks. Like, it's it's hard to really like. It's hard Jared to pick Leto, one. That it's hard to make the prediction of one of them because they're all good picks. Honestly, Jared Leto uh, to play uh, basically as Waluigi in uh, live action form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm split between him and Ben Affleck, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> okay, so we just talked about before the Bruce Willis category. We have worst on-screen couple. We have oh, okay. any clutchy cast member and any largely named, lamely named <laughs> lyric size or choreographed musical number from Diana. That's actually pretty funny. Uh <laughs> LeBron James, any Warner cartoon character or Time Warner product, he dribbled on. (laughs) (laughs) Gerald Leto and either his 17-pound latex face, his geeky clothes, or his ridiculous accent. Come on, accent. Come on, accent. (laughs) Uh, Ben Platt and any other character who acts like Platt singing 24-7 is normal. (laughs) 
don't you just, you know, casually break out into song and dance when they run out of, like, the your bag of chips at the bodega? Yeah. And, <laughs> and sadly, Tom and Jerry, a.k.a. Itching Scratchy, and Tom and Jerry the movie. <laughs> I just said before, uh, Jerry Lowe and his ridiculous accent, his Waluigi accent. Mm-hmm. I say Waluigi, but it is like literally Waluigi. <laughs> I, I think I'll I think I'll make that prediction too. Well, either that or LeBron James. Uh, LeBron James is like, or again, flat. Okay, worst remake ripoff or sequel. We have Karen an in 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 remake of Cruella Deville. How the hell did that happen? Uh, Space Jam. The New Legacy, Tom and Jerry, Twist, a rap remake of all the Twist, and The Woman in the Window, ripoff of Real Window. Honestly, worst remake and sequel, Space Jam, obviously. Yeah. Because, that, that, again, I like the film, but that's easily a cast grab. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sure. And it's all those things, too, where it's like that one did garner much more attention. Like, Woman in the Window is probably even worse, but one of them garnered a lot more attention than the others did. All right, worst and not director. for good reasons. Yeah, I know. Worst director: Christopher Ashley for Diane and the Musical. Stephen uh, Cho Basai. I probably been, uh, probably butchering the name. So I'm sorry. Chavosky, uh, I guess. Chavosky. Okay, dear. I, I guess. Coke Daniels uh, for Karen. Apparently, Coke is his nickname. Hmm. I, unless it stands for like. His two first names. I mean, his first name and his middle name. Rennie Holland for the Misfits and Joe Wright for the Woman in the Window. Hmm. Worst director, probably Diana. Not Diana. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. Because again, Dear Evan Hansen is a Broadway production, musical, right? Yeah. Broadway production musicals do not really translate well onto screen. They rarely ever have. Yeah. And when they do translate well on screen, it's because it's usually made by the same people. Yeah. It's it's like when you're um, adapting a book into a movie. You're going to get something's right, but then you're going to get a lot. Then people are going to be like, oh, no, you left this part out. I left this part out. It's like purchasing Wallflower. It's a perfect adaption because it was made by the same guy who wrote the book. Yeah. All right. And... The last category we could talk about worst screenplay. We have Diana the Musical, Karen the Misfits, Twist, and The Woman in the Window. Probably Karen. Just worst. It's the way they like really, really scraped the bottom of the barrel of the whole Karen aspect of. Mm-hmm. Of what is a Karen and what is everything else, but everything That's else. That's true. Yeah. And even that, even watching clips or watching how, uh, not clips, but yeah, watching clips mm-hmm. of the movie and hearing how some of these the lines are, especially as a, a casual theater, a theater goer, it's like worse in a good way, but like it's just like written in a very, 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 really horrible way. Where it's mm-hmm. just like it, it really didn't feel like. Everything was like really written down, like in the maybe in like a two hour uh run through of a writing a uh, script. Hmm. Ugh. 
Yeah, Karen is one of those things where it's like, it would have actually worked a lot better as like a short film instead yeah. of a full feature length, you know, level of production. Yeah, and again, Karen is something they did. And if you want to watch something like Karen that was done a little more better, watch uh, Lakeview Terrace with Samuel L. Jackson. It's the exact same plot of a of a guy, well, of a couple who who go into the neighborhood and their neighbor, played by Samuel L. Jackson, does not like him. You know, it's an interracial couple. You think it's an interracial, it's because they're an interracial couple. It's more along the lines of, you know, Samuel L. Jackson just basically playing a crazy guy. Hmm. And he's also a cop, too, so there's that. And it's actually probably done a lot more better because when you have someone like Samuel L. Jackson carrying a movie, you have Patrick Wilson, Zoe Sedea, uh, you know, in the cast as well. But it's also treated a lot lot more like a threat, where, again, Karen is played more like a a parody of what a Karen is. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Karens are essentially a parody all by itself of the... uh, Oh yeah, but like I've dealt with Karen's a couple of times in my uh, former job, mm-hmm. but you know, there's we, we've all dealt with Karen's at some point in our lives. Yeah, there's literally a scene where she tries to get these the, like people kicked out of the restaurant or something like that because, and she's calling up the phone. It's like again, a lot of like from a script standpoint, it may be from a like a parody standpoint, but <laughs> it just looks like it's it was just like written in a like two hour writing sesh for a screenplay and just yeah. like there you go there's a the screenplay we have to like we have to uh we have to get this uh movie uh made in in like in uh four weeks um i have no time to uh to do all this stuff so it's like it's like bring out the coke and start writing yes uh, we joke about cocaine use on the show but still we do not condone the use of cocaine or any illegal substance. Exactly. And Unless it's weed. We just chill. Okay, that is true. We Depending on state you're in. Be careful. And on that note, uh, <laughs> that, that'd be a good way to end the episode. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Oscars look very bland this year. You know, mm-hmm. obviously some safe choices. But the uh, Razzies Award look like they're having fun with it and hayden mm-hmm. any last words um just yeah pretty much just an agreement yeah like the oscars just look as same and predictable and i think it's just going to be the same predictable stuff that's going to win with that one so not much there the razzies <laughs> i just can't get over the freaking bruce willis category that is amazing and truly it feels like his life is going in the reverse of where nicholas cage is going now yeah. So yeah, and sad. yeah, the Razzies. I'm. It's just. It's just great that they're just having so much fun with it too. Yeah. Uh, honestly, with uh, to 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 end on a positive note, at least with the Razzies, the people who were not nominated for the Oscars are nominated this year for the the wrong reasons. But you know. Yeah, you still got your nomination. Yeah, it's in the wrong, it's, it, you know. It's not what you think it's for, but, you know. I it guess is. it's an honor just to be nominated. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> take care, everyone, and please be safe, be well, and yada, 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 yada. Anyway, take care, everybody.